The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hello, my friends, and welcome to our practice session. In our practice sessions, we invite our featured guests to show off their negotiation and conflict resolution skills in a realistic scenario. In this session, I want you to pay attention to what our guest does and not to what I do, because while they are trying to show off their skills and teach you, I'm trying to frustrate their efforts in different ways through things like aggression, annoyance, emotionality, or awkwardness. And then after the practice session, we debrief and talk about what worked, what didn't work, and what you can use in your next difficult conversation. Michael, thanks for joining us again today. It is great to be back. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Great to have you back. The feedback on your episode was fantastic. So listeners, if you haven't checked out uh, Michael's original episode, make sure we're going to put a link in the description below so you can check that out. Fantastic episode. But uh, Michael, let's go ahead and start with a reintroduction for those of you who might not know him. I appreciate it. And we'll keep it brief. So even if people do go back and check the link, they don't have to get bombarded with it twice. But Michael Reddington, certified forensic interviewer, executive resource, and president of Inquasive. Essentially, I teach executives how to reduce missed opportunities and increase commitments to action by using the truth to their advantage. And we do that with the discipline listening method that we created by integrating business communication research and best practices with the world's leading non-confrontational interview and interrogation techniques. I feel like you've practiced that before, Michael. I may have said it once or twice. Legit, I try not to say it the same every single time just because you never know when people might keep hearing it. But yeah, yeah, I've said it once or twice. This is great. And hey, listen, my modest friend, let people know about the book too, please. I appreciate that. Thank you. My first book, Discipline Listening, an Interrogator's Guide to Strategic Observation, is due to hit the shelves first quarter of 2022. Right now we're shooting for January, but you know how publications go, it, it might be February. But I certainly appreciate everybody keeping an eye out for that when it drops. Fantastic. All right, my friend. So this is what we're going to do today. It is all about the sparring session. Michael and I are going to go head to head. We just brainstormed the situation. And this, of course, is not scripted. We are freestyling this for the most part. So, Michael, can you uh, let the listeners know what the situation is and um, what the drama and the friction is? And then we'll jump into it. Yeah, for sure. So you and I are partners 50-50 in an organization. And I have a contact from my network who I believe would add a lot of value and is interested in joining us as well, not even for the money, but just for the fun, for the challenge, for the project of it. And he has a very large following, social media, online network, whatever term you want to use for it. And so I would love to bring him into the fold. However, you, my friend, have some hesitations because you are the big dog and you want to remain the big dog. And so you're not necessarily comfortable bringing somebody on board with a larger following than either one of us. So right now, based on that hesitancy, your answer is a hard line no. And for additional effects, you've got me locked in and I couldn't leave you and go work with him even if I wanted to. So that's where we are and we have to work through that. Perfect. Oh, this is going to be fun. I enjoy being unreasonable. So (laughs) let's go ahead and get started. All right. Hey, Michael, you said you wanted to chat. What's up? 
Yeah, Kwame, I appreciate you taking the time. Hey, I've been thinking a lot recently about why we set out together, what we were looking to build, the platform we were looking to get to, and really how we talked about maximizing our impact to change lives, people that wouldn't normally have access to our experience and what we do and impact them, not just business, but personally as well with how they can communicate with others and really achieve so much more. And I gotta be honest, I don't know how you feel, but I'm pretty proud about what we've done so far. Yeah, I, so yes, I am, but I, I feel like a hammer is about to drop. I, I know you, I know you well enough. I feel like you just did a good job of framing this thing positively. And it, I, are you going to, are you breaking up with me or something? What, what's going on? Yeah. I can never break up with you, man. You know that. I don't think it's a hammer that's about to drop. I think it might be a glass slipper that's about to drop. So one of the things that, that really got me thinking about this was I had a conversation with a former colleague of mine a couple of weeks ago. He had seen what we were doing. What is hip to the mission really shares a lot of the same background, but comes at it with, with a different perspective. And so we started having the conversation of what if we were able to bring a force multiplier on board to help us reach more people faster to continue to spread the message and bring in additional expertise. And he's interested in joining the team. The good news is doesn't want anything extra. He's not in it for the money. He's actually in a, in a great spot. He's financially comfortable. He's looking to do something that he can be passionate about. He's looking to work with people that he shares the same values with. And he's really interested for the experience and the mission and linking up with us. Who, who is this guy? Who is this guy? Tom Smith. I don't know if you've heard of him. Yeah. Yeah. I know Tom. I know Tom. Yeah. I know Tom. Okay. Um, so, so what, what, what is this? This, what this is, in, in my opinion, is this is an opportunity for us to, and I, I really do like the term force multipliers. So we take a look at the size of the networks that you and I brought into this to begin with. And for me, one of the things that I was really happy about is I'm not necessarily the, the hey, look at me guy. So for me, developing a network and developing a following typically is far more organic. You from the jump have been far more comfortable getting out and building a following and, and building that audience. And it was for me in the beginning it was a great opportunity to share the mission and help you build that audience. Well, honestly, mine was going a little bit along the way as well, just from that overlap. But we have the opportunity now with a click of a button to more than double our audience. And when we think about doubling the audience, we're talking about at a minimum doubling our impact, which was the number one thing we set out to do, touch people's lives. And if we're doubling the amount of people that we can touch, there's got to be an additional factor. I'm not going to blow smoke. Is that an additional four factor, five factor? But now with, with their family, their business, their friends, their teams, the amount of people that we are going to have access to in order to spread our message is going to increase so fast at the click of a button just by bringing on somebody who already shares our, our values. I think that's a pretty serious opportunity for us to consider. Um. So how did this start? Like who, who came to who? Like where did, where did this come from? Like all great American conversations, it started with a beer. <laughs> Seriously, I happened to bump into him at a conference two weeks ago. 
we were talking and he told me straight up that he had seen what we've been working on, that he had heard some of our shows. He was really interested. He started diving into the back catalog. And the more he listened, the more interested he became. He drove the entire conversation, which got, yeah. got me excited. Okay. Because I, I, I got to be honest with you, Michael. It, to me, I feel a little bit slighted that I wasn't involved in this. It feels as though, and based on what you said, it makes me feel a little bit better, but it feels almost like a, like an, almost like an ambush. It's kind of the vibe I'm, I'm getting right now. So it's just not at this moment, not really sitting well with me at first. Yeah. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. And I can, I can't understand it directly, obviously, but I can see where that comes from. And that's a totally valid response. And honestly, one that, that I was concerned with. So for me, just thinking back on how we put this whole thing together, our, I can't tell you how many conversations I remember where feedback I got from you was, dude, come to me with the plan. Come to me when you've got it figured off, all figured out. Come to me when you're further down the line. So once he and I started having the conversation, I didn't want to trip off any landmines that were unnecessary. I didn't want to create any, you know, potential hardship for a couple conversations if, if, if it wasn't going to be worth it. So I wanted to make sure that he and I had enough conversations to gauge his legitimate interest. And for me to start taking a look at the bigger picture and say, where does this really slot in? Where do these additional opportunities really lie before I brought it to your attention? Cause dude, I ain't wasting your time. You know that we've been through, we've been through too much already. Okay. No, I appreciate that. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so yeah, I understand force mul- multiplying everything, but you know, it's, it's you and me. We have some contractors that we work with and everything. We've been, yeah. we've been working at this for a few years and we're growing and stuff, but we have expenses. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's a full force multiplier that might come down, may or may not lead to more revenue down the road. But anytime we have a pie that's split two ways and we add a third, uh, that means less for everybody else. So. Like that's a, like, as we grow, we have to grow responsibly. I don't really see how this is a, a good decision financially for us. I didn't either, which is why I gave him homework. And in order to continue to bring the conversation forward, I needed him to present me with a plan from his perspective with his audience on how this wasn't just going to be a shot in the dark. Sounds like a good idea, but actually had some teeth behind it. And gave us an opportunity to work. You see, wait a second, wait a second, because now now you're contradicting yourself. Because you said it was like a, a, just a little beer conversation, and you didn't want it to get further. But now we're talking about like a business plan that's arrived. So, so which one is it? It's both. Because as we talked about a second ago, I know from our previous conversations, I wasn't going to come to you with my ducks in a row. So it started out as a beer conversation two weeks ago, turned into some follow up conversations. And I was pretty surprised with how serious he took it and how fast he came back to me because what I set him up with over that last beer that we just had in Dallas was that if we're going to bring somebody on just to make it easy numbers at a hundred K a year, then he's got to be good for bringing in independently 200 K in revenue. He's got to be able to cover his own salary and double it within the first year. And I got to tell you, the initial plan that he scribbled out for us to consider and then have a conversation with them if you're even open to it is pretty compelling because I didn't realize how much of his audience is unique to ours. So that unique audience gives us the opportunity to potentially explore some new sponsors, potentially maybe renegotiate our deals with some of our sponsors that we already have, and then begin to tap into that new audience that's going to be hearing us for the first time and begin to unseat 
some of the resources they're already relying. Mm. Okay. All right. I think that sounds all right. Um, that helps me to understand where this could potentially go. Again, it's, it's, it's a plan. Anybody can make a plan. Uh, there was a philosopher who once said, um, everybody who, you know, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Uh, that was Mike Tyson. Yeah. You know? And, uh, once we, once we start rolling, that this plan could crumble and just a military example. What is it? Patton? I think I, or Eisenhower said it's strategies or plans don't survive first contact with the enemy. So again, it sounds nice. I need to see it, uh, to work it out, but, um, that, that handles the, the financial side to a certain extent, but we also have to consider just the branding because our, our audience has, has grown accustomed to you and me, the Michael and Kwame show. Um, and, uh, you know, adding somebody else to the mix, that dynamic, we don't know if it flows. So the financial component is just one part of it. That's just one part, but we don't know how well it, like we flow together. You know, um, I've seen some of Tom, Tom's stuff. I think it's solid. It's good. Um, kind of run of the mill, but I think it's, it's good enough. Uh, but you know, I'm, I'm just not sure how he would fit. How, I don't know how this works together, how, how we fit together. To be honest, man, neither am I. And that's the beauty. You just hit on the number one thing. Honestly, we're good. We're on track. We're a little bit ahead of schedule. So this could be an unexpected opportunity for us to catapult past our initial schedule, or this could be something that we stop and consider for a little while and decide it's either not the right time or it's not the right opportunity. So for us to do a little bit of research on our own, and honestly, I'd like to do it together. We can evaluate some of his programs. We can look at some of his audience's feedback. We can knock the ideas back and forth and decide if it's something that we really want to do or not. And then if we want to take it to the next stage, we can have a conversation. We can shoot holes in his plans. We can what if it and, and work through it together and decide if that passes muster. And then if that passes muster, dude, everybody's got a microphone. We can do several conversations on different topics, give different people the lead. We can throw some curveballs at them and see how they handle it. And if it all, if it all works out, then we're good. And if it doesn't work out, then we're okay. We are in an advantageous position where we have the opportunity to at least consider adding a real asset to our team to give us a different dimension to really catapult us forward financially and with our audience, which gets us to the dream that we had when we started this. But we're lucky enough to be in such a position we don't got to make the decision right now, which is why I really just wanted to start the conversation to see what's the right plan. What are the goals and the benchmarks we need to look at to decide yes or no at any stage? And if we see it all the way through and it works, awesome. And if we don't, it's on me to tell Tom, hey, man, appreciate the beer and the time. Great conversations. Kwame and I are happy to still continue to find ways to support each other. But right now, it's just not with what we're trying to do. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tober Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. 
On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product, though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were, we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, we'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. And so... We had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. Yeah, you're good. You're good. <laughs> oh, man, you're good. I was, uh, I was sitting there searching. I was like, what is something unreasonable I could say? But I feel like I've been completely disarmed. <laughs> this was... <laughs> this is really good. Okay. All right. So let me, let me, uh, break, right. I took some notes. Let me run, run through some of them. Does your company invest in professional development training? If you believe that your team would benefit from a negotiation workshop, all you need to do is go to our website, fill out the workshop request form, and then we'll set up a time to chat. These workshops are completely customizable and we've done them all around the country. Negotiation and conflict resolution skills are beneficial across all professions, but they're especially useful in procurement, purchasing, sales, sourcing, and contract management. Our calendar is filling up quickly, and we even have some workshops scheduled for next year. If you think you might want one, I'd suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Check out the link in the description to learn more. And now, back to the show. So one of the things that people don't fully appreciate is the power of humor in difficult conversations. Now, you need to be good at it. You need to be funny. You have to be able to read the room and know the person well enough to understand when a humor would work. So when I, when I accused you essentially of, you know, talking behind my back, you just said, Hey, this just started like all great American conversations over a beer. Like I tried not to smile, but it was hard not to. And it's hard to be a jerk when, when you're laughing. Right. And uh, that's something I used to do in my mediations. Uh, the, my fellow mediators, they said, I've never heard anybody laugh like get people to laugh when they're at their darkest time as much as you can. And it has a way of really lifting the conversation and, and pulling down some barriers. So brilliantly executed, very, very well done. Um, then I wanted to keep on going back to the fact like, hey, I'm be feeling betrayed. So my goal in that point is trying to pull you off track, right? You're, you want to talk about substance. You want to talk about our vision and how this can add to it. I don't want us to talk about that. My insecurities and my emotions are taking it to be about me and how bad I feel because of what you did. And so, again, naturally, what people often do is they get defensive at that point. They say they start to defend themselves. No, it wasn't like that. Kwame, no, 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 no. It wasn't like that, which in my uh, emotional mind would be like, that's, of course, what an evil person would say. Right. <laughs> and so you said, listen, that's a valid response, Kwame. And uh, you didn't get defensive. You said, yeah, you're right. Every time I was aggressive towards you, you're like, that's a really good point. And so I'm, I want that resistance and you're not giving it to me, which was perfect. So you said that's a valid response. And essentially with the, our framework, the compassionate curiosity framework, it's three steps, acknowledge and validate emotions, get curious with compassion and joint problem solving. You hit that 
right on the head. Acknowledge the emotions. Yeah, I, I understand why you feel that way. That's a valid response. And so it's disarming. And so for me, I think about it in terms of a conversational highway where we're having a conversation and your goal always as the the, the conversational leader, you're trying to keep us on a the pathway, the highway to a productive conversation. And me as the emotional person, I'm trying to take us off. I'm trying to get all these detours in the wrong direction. So I'm trying to get us in this personal type of slinging mud thing. And you're always gently bringing us back. So I tried to bring us back to the mud after you brought us back into the, the, the right lane. So when you talked about the business plan and I said, oh, no. Yeah. So a business plan, that doesn't sound like over a beer. And then you said, yeah. You're right. I'm like, oh, damn, he did it again. You know, and um, you you didn't contradict me. I tried to get you in a trap, you in a lie, a contradiction. But you said, no, I can understand that. And this is what happened. And you explained it again. I was trying to invite that controversy and you stayed positive and avoided that by validating it. That was really good. And so one one of the things that you said, too, is recognizing we're 50-50 partners. You can't do this without my um, without my uh, agreement. And so what often happens is if somebody is in a position where they feel threatened emotionally, they feel like their power or autonomy is being threatened, they want to hold on to that power. And you were really good at giving me that power responsibly by saying, if you're even open to having this conversation, right? It's like, hey, I recognize Kwame, you have power here, if you're even open to it. And so you always were good at just respecting that. So I didn't need to feel like I need to deflect that on you, right? Um, it doesn't, and you were really good at recognizing what a win is in this conversation. Cause a lot of times people try to close too soon. They try to push too hard. And so you could have been like, I need you to agree to bringing this guy in right now. And then I would have been like, no, on principle, <laughs> just no, right? Because you want it so bad. I feel obligated to say no. But instead you're like, Hey, it balls in your court. We don't need to make a decision right now. Let's talk. And you were always using we speech always triggering that collaborative thought process, like a little bit of NLP right there, right? So we will go through this together. We'll talk about it. We will make a determination to see if it fits. If he doesn't fit, then we don't do it. If he does, then we can do it. And so just expert level, expert level. You should probably write a book, Michael. You, ever think about that? <laughs> you know, the thought crossed my mind. Give me a couple months. We'll see if I can pull it up. Um, I appreciate the the feedback. Thank you. And it, for me, it was fun to see what you were picking up on as we went through it. The humor thing, obviously agree with 100%. If I can add one other thing to that, I also love, and again, it, it's a feel thing and it's a reading the room and understanding the relationship, but I love managing pauses. So years ago, I had a friend who was trying his hand at stand-up comedy and he, he actually opened up for some pretty big acts at, at the time. And one of the things he told me, and I'm not a comedian, so take this with as much salt as you have available, is that the key to being funny isn't necessarily the joke, but it's the timing. Like, mm-hmm. how do you set it up? And so for me, like, when you asked that, you know, were you going behind my back? Where did this conversation happen? If To your point about being defensive, if I answer too quick, if I shoot back, that's creating that emotional escalation that you're looking for. The more unsure I appear, the more fuel I give you. So even by, for me, just being quiet for two seconds, then saying how all great American conversations start, then by being quiet for one second, that pause between all great American conversations and a beer causes you to go, where's he going? 
Then when I drop the beer on you, now the power, I didn't actually drop a beer on you, but the comment, <laughs> now the power of that lands, it literally freezes you in your tracks. Even if you wanted to cut me off there, now you can't because of the pause and how that changes how you receive the information, which gives me the grounds in order to keep the conversation going. For me, one of the rules I live by is I just always assume, more or less, always assume that I don't have the power in this conversation. So the more I try to take the power, it like if metaphorically speaking to the man who made the Mike Tyson reference, metaphorically speaking, if I push you, you're going to push me back harder. It's, it's going to escalate. But if I never push you, you don't need to push me. So you feel like you're in control of the conversation, even though I have a plan for where I'm taking it. But because I never step on your toes, I never call your self-image into play. You don't need to wrestle it back from me. So in a in a roundabout way, I'm in control by giving you control. So a- avoiding that like push-pull thing is pretty important to me. Um, one of the things that you talked about too, I made a couple notes as you were going through it. I really tried to avoid arguing with people at all times. I didn't do it here exactly, but there's a three-step process that I go through, which is accept, reframe, justify. So instead of arguing with what you say, I'm going to accept it. Then if necessary, I'm going to reframe the conversation and give you a justification to buy that that reframing, which in this one, we didn't really have to go through it in that detail. But the same thing, I don't want to argue. I want to give you every little win I can going through the conversation so you don't keep searching for higher ground. You don't keep trying to get on top of me. And the last piece I'll add when you talked about the highway is for me, once I have an understanding of where I want to end, all roads lead to the destination. So I'm not, I'm not myopically focused on keeping you on this road. So when you start throwing those curveballs and you try to drag me into the mud, I'm not trying to get back onto the road I'm already on. I'm trying to get back in line with the destination. So it becomes almost like a choose your own adventure. You tell me where we're going to start next. And I'm just going to dial it back into where I want to go. So as long as I'm confident enough with where I want to end, where you try to take me, and I want this to sound as humble as possible, almost doesn't matter because (laughs) I should be able to get something from that to start working back towards where I want to go. Oh, this is great. This is really good. I, I love that. I've never, is that a framework you came up with? Accept, reframe, justify? That's- yeah, I, I rephrase something that comes from some of the interrogation background that I have, mm-hmm. specifically handling different types of denials in the interrogation. But I, I took several of the, the frameworks that we use in, the, in that context to apply it to these types of negotiations. And, and yeah, so you could say yeah. it's something I came up with. Okay, so we, yeah, we will. So homework for you, my friend, is to brand that. It could be the inquasive model of argumentation or something like that. You know, own that. That's brilliant. I really like it. And what's cool about it too is that you're right. You didn't hit that exactly one, like one, two, three, but you're so good at it and you've done it so frequently that you can adjust in the moment. So for example, if you're playing sports, let's use a sports metaphor. You're not always going to be perfectly positioned for whatever it is that you need to do. 
but through muscle memory, you've done it enough time. So if you're off balance, you can make those adjustments. So fundamentally, it's still the same thing, but you've adjusted it in the moment. And then to your point, kind of sitting back and letting somebody have control or the perception of control while retaining control because of your skill set and understanding uh, the dynamics of the interaction. This is, it's almost like, let's get a little philosophical again. It's, it's similar to Taoism. Right. Mm-hmm. When you think about Taoism, going with the flow and not yes. being, you can, you have the yin and the yang. So yes, we can have the push and then we also have the pull, letting the conversation flow. And a lot of times when we resist the flow of the conversation, that's when it gets clunky. That's when we get unnecessary friction. And if we try to map the precise, the destination for the conversation will fail because every conversation is different and there are all sorts of millions of permutations of the directionality of the conversation. But if you sit back and let it go and just trust your skill set and understand the destination and be more curious and adventurous, really, w- with the journey, um, you can sit, still get to where you want to go with less friction along the way. I love it. I love it. To take that half a step further, I try, and I don't always do this, believe me, but I, I try to keep in mind that everything just is. My reaction is going to drive good, bad, angry, sad, whatever, but it, it just is. So if I go in, I was teaching the session last week and the gentleman who was in charge of the CEO group, the example, and I'm paraphrasing, was they try to bring in people that share the same value and ethics. But when they have a problem, they realize this person doesn't have the same value and ethics. I'm like, whoa, time out. Like, you might be right, but we got to work backwards to that. Maybe there was a misunderstanding. Maybe there was a conflict in priorities. Like there's a hundred other things that could come before not having the same values and ethics. <laughs> but if I tell myself this guy doesn't have the same values and ethics, I'm now so emotionally committed to that, that I'm going to start a fire and this becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So with that sort of everything just is approach, like I can't, you know, I can't, say I'm a philosopher in any permutation of the word, but just allow the situation to come to me, work really hard at understanding that my reaction is going to drive it and just realize that people have a role to play. Like when I used to interrogate people and show some of the videos in the classes I would teach, I would get denials and people would say, I can't believe they just said that. Aren't you mad? No, I'm not mad. What else is he supposed to say? Like, this is literally his last good option. Like, his my role in this is to build my credibility. His role is to realize that he's probably in some trouble and deny it as long as he can until he realizes that's not going to work. And then our role is to work through this together to find the truth and decide what's best next. So if we can understand that people have a role to play, and even in that exercise, you might be taking it personal, but this isn't personal. Like if I legit have the best interest of our partnership in mind, then none of this is personal so that you work through your feelings without me taking it personal and we'll end up in a better place. Oh, that's a really interesting point. Let's reemphasize that because that's really, really important. So what you just said, and correct me if I'm wrong here, you're saying that even if somebody in the interaction is taking it personally, so if you're talking to somebody, they're taking it personally, that doesn't mean that you need to take it personally in response. 100%. 100%. Yep. No, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. And so somebody listening could say, I understand that on a logical level. But for me, sometimes I get a little bit triggered. If I see somebody's taking it personal, like, isn't that about me? And so then my emotions get wrapped up in it. So from your experience, Michael, how do you separate yourself 
from that so you don't take it personally in that moment. Is and I'll be honest, it's harder for me to do in personal conversations than it is in professional conversations, <laughs> yeah. right? Because of the the emotional attachment. Like if my wife was listening to this, how much she might be laughing right now. Yeah. But is is silly as this might sound, it's eye on the prize. So for me, and to go back to use that as an example, if I honestly believe that bringing imaginary Tom into our pretend partnership can unlock all of these new opportunities, then I need to keep my mind focused on that and understand your emotional roller coaster is a necessary step to get to that destination that is so much more beneficial for both of us. So if I just go in understanding everybody has a role to play, I'm further down the line with this than you are because clearly I've been talking behind your back and getting to with Tom <laughs> trying to figure out how we're going to scheme this thing. But if, if I can come in with that frame of mind that this is a necessary step to a better destination, now I do a better job compartmentalizing my emotions because I'm not focused on you. I'm focused on the destination. And I know that's one of those easier said than done things, but with a little bit of preparation, a deep breath, and sometimes before you go in the room, just a quick look in the mirror. Say, I get this. Kwame's going to get a little bit mad. That's his job. My job is to stay mm -hmm. cool and keep us focused on where this is going to go because this isn't about me. This is about him. And he'll work through it. And once he works through it, we're good. Okay, good. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're, I'm not letting you go yet, Michael. I was about to wrap this up. No, not yet. So essentially what we're doing is we're recognizing the different identities that we bring to this conversation. So, for example, if... um if I am a parent, right, um, I recognize that part of my identity as a father would require me to lose some sleep. I'm saying that with, uh, you know, firsthand knowledge. <laughs> we have, yes, a six-year-old, but we also have a four-month-old, right? And so if somebody was constantly waking me up in the middle of the night and I was not a parent, I'd be like, yeah, we have a problem. We need to squash this. Stop waking me up. <laughs> what is your problem, right? But for Kwame, as a parent, I recognize that this is part of the path. This, it, it might not be something that I enjoy doing, but I recognize that part of my identity in, in, incorporate, encapsulates that, that inconvenience, right? And so it, I bring a different mindset to it. I'm not angry. I might be a, a little bit annoyed, but I'm not angry. I'm not offended by it. I understand it is what it is. This is what I have to do in this moment. And so if you adopt that mentality and really clarify what your role is, what your identity is in that conversation, whatever comes your way, you say, my role, who I am, the character I'm playing in this scene requires that I respond in this type of way. I love it. I love the way that, and I'm a father of a four-year-old, so I'm, I'm right in very similar boats with you. But I'm, I'm with you 100%, and I love how you illustrated that. This is about moving us closer towards a goal. This is about resolving a series of problems. This is about handling situation A in a way that makes handling situation Q easier when we get to Q. And yep. if, if people can, it's not easy, and it's one of these things that I'm sure in our own way, you and I have been operationally conditioned, beaten through our heads. But to, to be able to keep that frame of mind as often as possible keeps our emotions down. And when our emotions are down, you and I can think through the role play we just did. Because if I'm not getting emotional, then I have my cognitive powers, however limited they may be, to help come up with the right answers and work through that conversation. But if all I can think about is how much you're angering me or frustrating me, then I don't have that ability in order to create the right responses and keep us going in the right direction. Oh. 
This is good. This is good. Listeners, now you see why Michael has been on the show twice, and now you see why he will be on the show more often. Michael, thank you again. And again, tell the listeners about your company and your book that's coming out too. I appreciate you asking. As always, this is entirely my pleasure. So the company is Inquasive. The website is Inquasive.com, I-N-Q-U-A-S-I-V-E.com. We teach strategic and ethical observation and persuasion techniques for negotiation, sales, leadership, interviewing, and beyond. And I appreciate you continuing to bring it up. If everything goes to plan, January, maybe February, our first book, Discipline Listening, an interrogator's guide to strategic observation will be available on Amazon and other retailers and really excited and looking forward to that. Yes. All right, Michael, appreciate it, my friend. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much. Congratulations, you've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard. What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. The best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations. Keep learning, keep practicing, and keep getting better. Your relationships will improve, your career will soar, and you'll have the confidence you need to get the most out of these crucial conversations. Again, thank you for joining the team. We're excited to have you, and I will see you in the next episode. I'll catch you later.